0: Right. But we never thought that they were going to move up into the second round when you only have five picks coming in to draft a wide receiver. That is a bold move. But here's my take on it, John. I want to get your, your reaction to this. I'm not knocking a team for drafting a wide receiver. Welcome to the show. Right. O'Leary here, along with my good friend, John Heath. It's the Broncos Wire podcast. We're brought to you by the USA Today Network. Uh, John, how are you, my friend? Congrats on having draft weekend behind you. I know that's a a huge lift for you and everybody at the wire sites, draft wire, Broncos wire, all of you. You guys do a great job uh, covering the draft, but I know that's a heavy lift, so congrats. That's over with.
1: Yeah, I got to give a shout out to Brandon Walker. He did a great, great job uh, covering the picks on Broncos wire over the weekend. And then as soon as the draft ended, like right away, it's jumping into undrafted free agents. So uh, we, we've got stuff up on the draft picks, but really at this moment, it's been a lot of uh, undrafted guys and the Broncos haven't even officially announced them yet, but we, so we still have that tracker going. So keep an eye on that on Broncos wire. We're tracking the undrafted signings and the guys that are just invited to rookie camp as tryout players. So that's still going on in, in the next few days, but yeah, it, it's very nice to have the draft over and now all the speculated all the speculations done now we can actually talk about who they got with their five picks and they did they made a couple trades but they still ended up with five players so they went in with five picks came out with five guys and actually they got a a bonus guy as well so we can talk we'll get into that
0: yeah we'll get into all that did anybody give you crap john like you know maybe a Jordy McElroy from the Patriots wire. They had 12 picks. They had to deal with during the drive. You only had five, you know, any of your colleagues on the wire sites giving you any crap.
1: No, I think everybody's so consumed with their team. It's, yeah. it's hard to notice sometimes what other teams are doing. Like I, I've still haven't even gone and looked like what other teams ended up drafting. It's been so busy keeping up with the Broncos. and I think probably Jordy's probably in a similar boat.
0: Yeah. Well, congrats to all you guys. You did uh, just the amount of content you guys get up during draft weekend is uh, super impressive and uh, appreciated. And it's just you can go on Broncos wire. John, the story's already there, like almost in real time. You click on it. There's no pop ups. You don't have to sign in or anything. You just read the article and move on with your life. I really I really appreciate it. It's good stuff. How about this? Have you did you see enough Kansas City Chiefs jerseys on TV to last you a lifetime over the weekend?
1: It was so annoying, uh, just like the first round and the beginning of the second round, how much there was Chiefs involved. Like I know it was in Kansas City, but I was like, oh my goodness. I I think it's worse for me because from a Broncos fan perspective, like we have extra resentment towards the Chiefs. But I I saw all kinds of NFL fans on Twitter just saying, like this is too much Chiefs involvement in the draft. Like just forget the fans that were there. There were so many people up on stage for them. It was a little bit much.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of red, a lot of red in that crowd. It was something. But have you ever been to an NFL draft, John, in person? Because just watching it, I, it looks kind of fun. I, I don't know if it was just like the way they, they did it on the broadcast this year. A lot of families that looked like that were there. Again, a lot of Kansas City Chief fan families, it seemed. But still, uh, I feel like this has got to be on my bucket list. I've never been to an NFL draft in person, but it, it looks like there's a lot going on. It's kind of rowdy, uh, but in a good, good-natured way. You know what I mean? I, it's something I need yeah. to check out. Have you been there before?
1: No, I never have because it's not really practical to be sitting on my laptop writing
0: uh, Yeah.
1: like what well, so I, I couldn't really like enjoy it to attend it. And also like I think it would be fun like in uh like to an extent, like maybe go to the first round or something. Like I, there's no way I would want to be standing there for eight hours on Saturday like and the broncos picks are like two hours apart or something like i think it would be enjoyable but i think it might also get a little old
0: well maybe someday you can park your pizza truck there you know and you can just do (laughs) that thing um (laughs) and i can come visit you and drink beer um that that's something we could do um so it's it's a pretty straightforward agenda for us this week on the pod uh the broncos only have five players in the draft class as john said so we'll, we'll pick our way through each one uh but right off the top, John, just give us, give me like your thirty thousand foot view of the class. Like, how you feeling about it coming out of the draft? Do you feel, you feel good about this, this class?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm some of the direction they went. I was a little surprised by, but then I had to tell myself like, this is not surprising because I said on the podcast last week like they're emphasizing we're not necessarily going, uh, like for needs. We're not reaching for needs. We're drafting best player available. So like, just because it was surprising to me doesn't necessarily mean that it was a bad thing they stuck to their board and got the players that you know were highly rated when they were on the clock or they moved up to get people that were highly rated and just because I think like they need like running back depths for example doesn't mean they were going to reach for a running back you know at a position before they fell to them on their board so there was some stuff that was a little surprising to me but I I think they did a good job I'm happy with the class I think this year it might be like mostly special teams contributions, but I think long term, a lot of these guys have legitimate, you know, chances to eventually become starters. And that's what you want. You want to be drafting future starters and then in the meantime contributing other places. And I think they did a good job doing that.
0: Was one of the surprises for you, John, the team going wide receiver? Uh, and trading yeah, up for a wide not, receiver in round two,
1: exactly. Not just going wide receiver, but trading up into the second round to draft a wide receiver. I, I did not see that coming. I, I, like, I'm not mad about it. I just didn't expect that.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, and and I didn't expect it either. And I think my gut reaction was to be like, "Wait that that wasn't a need." Like when John and I did our our draft needs for the Broncos. Preview episode. We didn't talk about wide receiver, right? Like, I I could could try to pull it up, but we talked about center, right? We talked about corner. We talked about running back and like
1: defensive line.
0: Yeah, O line and D line depth. We talked about all that, but we didn't talk about wide receiver because we talked about wide receiver in a different light. Like, what the hell's happening here? Why? What's going on? They're sniffing around free agents. They're maybe trading Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, maybe not. Right, but we never thought that they were going to move up into the second round when you only have five picks coming in to draft a wide receiver. That is a bold move, but here's my take on it, John. I want to get your, your reaction to this. I'm not knocking a team for drafting a wide receiver. Right? It, with the way the game is played, with the rules in the NFL, how it favors the offense, with all the injuries we see at that position, the Broncos know that well, that is a position that could always be considered a need. So, And, and I also look at it, when you think about it from Sean Payton's perspective, it might make a little sense too. think about Sean Payton. He had Michael Thomas best receiver in football in 2019. The saints were absolutely set at that position. Cause they had Michael Thomas, right? John didn't really matter what else they did. They had Michael Thomas. No one could cover him. He had like 1700 yards receiving in 2019. It was crazy. Then Thomas gets this like ankle injury that won't heal. And he's never the same player. Can't be on the, he can't stay on the field. The saints didn't have enough behind him. And all of a sudden that position group was just left barren for Mickey Loomis and company when Sean Payton decides he's going to take his year off and go into the booth. He's like, you guys deal with this Bye, right. So I think Sean Payton, I think lessons were learned. I don't have any Intel on that. That's just like a gut thing. Like I, I think lessons were learned. He's like, we can never have enough good wide receivers. We can never have enough talent because this can change in the blink of an eye. You could have one of the best receivers of football, Michael Thomas. And all of a sudden you you turn around and he can't get on the field for years. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Again though, it bold, right? Bold to trade up for a wide receiver in a draft where you only have five picks and you have more pressing needs. It's still a very bold move.
1: The The terms of it were pretty much fine for Denver. They gave up a third and a fifth to get a second and a six. And to me, I'm perfectly fine with that. Like I, I thought they didn't give up. I thought the, the terms of the trade were perfectly fair to me. So I didn't, I didn't mind how much it cost to go up to and get them. And like you said, it, it's smart to build depth in the NFL because there's always going to be injuries. You know, just last season, Tim Patrick was hurt. So it's like on paper, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamlin, when he comes back, like it looks like a lot of guys, but you never know when someone's going to get hurt, like you said. And also just beyond this season, like we're, we're talking for 2023, but the Broncos, they're roster building for like the next four years, like they're thinking ahead, like Tim Patrick will turn 30 years old this year. And, uh, or this season, and it's going to be easier to get out of his contract. And Cortland Sutton, like in a year or two, the guaranteed money in his contract is going to be up. And I'm not saying they're about to turn around and cut Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick after this season, but it becomes more feasible the farther along they get in their contracts, the older they get, you know, teams cut veterans all the time because of their salary cap hits. So just down the road, if the Broncos, if, if receivers are getting hurt, if the Broncos need more salary cap space, someone like Marvin Mims, he's going to be on a four-year rookie contract, which is very team friendly cap hits. So like you're saying, I I don't think it's a bad thing. And even if yeah, like, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, like you said, we've been talking all offseason about will one of them be And I, I think it's still possibility as we go into training camp and as we approach the season, if guys get, you know, you know, like if an NFL team has a receiver hurt and they get desperate, I still think it's possible. But I don't, I don't think we really need to, you know, dwell on that possibility being like eminent because – uh, more so than Cortland Sutton, more so than Tim Patrick, more so than Jerry Judy. I don't think Marvin Mims is like a direct threat to them. I think they can all coexist. I think he's the huge threat to KJ Hamler because KJ Hamler, he came in, he was supposed to be a speed guy. He was supposed to be a deep threat. He was supposed to be a dynamic punt returner and just injuries have just really derailed his career. And now he's entering the last year of his rookie contract and now Mims is coming in. He's a speed guy. He ran a 438 40-yard dash. He's a deep threat. You know, He's a very good punt returner. He averaged 16 yards for punt return last year. So I think Mims, like, if it's an indictment on anybody in the receiver room, I don't think it's Sutton. I don't think it's Judy. I don't think it's Patrick. I think K.J. – like, honestly, I think K.J. Hamler and Montrell Washington, if they don't look really good this summer, like at training camp and preseason – I think KJ Hamler and Montrell Washington, they could both get cut because the Broncos have such a deep wide receiver room. All those guys we just mentioned, and then they just signed Callaway from the Saints, who had a real good season under Sean Payton. They still have Kendall Hinton, who we like, Jalen Virgil, and Brandon Johnson. They were two preseason darlings last year, and they both spent time on the active roster last season. So the Broncos have so many guys. And if Mims is going to come in and be basically a better version of KJ Hamler, like I like I'm not trying to be mean to KJ Hamler, but like at a certain point, you know, you just part ways with a player and, and move on and cut your losses. And hopefully Hamler can get healthy and, you know, maybe turn his career around somewhere else. But I think Mims coming in, you know, it could spell the end of Hamler's time in Denver even before his rookie contract runs up.
0: Oh, don't be afraid to be mean to KJ Hamler, John. It's okay. What, <laughs> well, I
1: feel bad for him. He's, he's been through a lot. Yeah, so yeah. I, like nothing against him at all. Like I wish him the best. And you know, if he gets healthy and has a great year in Denver, that would be fantastic. But just, you know, for his NFL career, if he doesn't, you know, make the 53 man roster, I hope he lands on his feet and just makes, makes a good career for himself.
0: Yeah. I second that, but You know me, John, from doing the show for three years. You know that I I like to, I like critical analysis. That's kind of how I like to come. So I want to come in here and pick something apart. And if I thought this was a stupid pick, uh, I would come on here and just rant about it, as you know. Um, But I'm just not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, I think Marvin Mims, Mims averaged, what was it, 20 yards per catch, basically? It was 19 point something yards per catch he averaged at Oklahoma. I know that's a wide open offense over there. Kind of the air raid thing that's going on uh, with the Sooners, but dude played in a wide open offense produced. He can fly, as you said. So I'm in on this Marvin Mims kid.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I think he's going to like, he's going to be a nice addition to the offense. And like, ideally, like he said, he's going to be, you know, a couple of years ago, what we thought KJ Hamler was going to be. And like with that Russell Wilson moon ball, we talked about when they brought him in last year, like I was having visions of like KJ Hamler being Tyler Lockett, like running down the field and Wilson just like launching that beautiful moon ball, dropping it right down. Like maybe Mims will be that guy for them this year. And the, the thing about him too is it's not just on offense. Before the draft, Sean Payton said they're still look, trying to get Returner figured out. At, at the NFL owners' meetings, he said that. And I was like, why is Sean Payton? saying we're still trying to get return for it. Like he loves to talk. (laughs) And I, and like, that was a clear sign. Like clearly if he's saying something like that, he doesn't think they have the returner currently on the roster. Like that's the way I read it. And I think that was a big part of them liking Mins. I think they really liked him as a punt returner. Like, uh, Peyton after the draft after they picked Mims he talked about you know how good of a returner he is and he talked about their new special teams coordinator their new assistant coach that they brought in you know who's a special teams guy as well Peyton was like we can coach this guy up and we're very excited about his potential on special teams so it's not like he will play on offense as a rookie but he may not you know he may not get a ton of snaps but I think he's going to come in day one be your starting punt returner you know from week one of the season, and so, like I said, these guys—they may not all have like huge, like offense or defense contributions right away as a rookie, but on special teams, I think he's going to make an immediate impact, and that's something that they need. Like last year, Montrell Washington was the returner, and it just wasn't good enough at all. So, I, I like this pick. I think you know, it's it's always exciting when you add a speedy option to your offense, and then when you get someone that is an explosive returner as well. I think it's a good a, a good pick for them.
0: Is Broncos country in on this pick as well with us John how do you feel is it mixed what what kind of sense have you gotten like in your
1: Uh I think it's kind of mixed. I I think some people like we're talking about the receivers I think some people are just confused like we don't need a receiver why are they drafting a receiver but then I think there are others who you know watch his highlights like you said 20 yards a catch and you know how fast he ran his 40 yard dash and how explosive he can be so I think it's mix of people are like oh yeah we got another weapon on offense that's really cool with people who are like we don't need a receiver why would you do that so I think it's kind of a mixed bag but generally I think reactions to the draft have been generally positive like I I haven't seen a lot of people very angry with the draft class by any means
0: yeah it seems like a pretty good class there's not a ton to criticize now. If you want to dock them a couple points because wide receiver wasn't a super neat, uh super huge need, okay, no, I think that's fair. But you know this Drew Sanders kid they get in round three, John, uh, is a player that I've you know and just reading about him a little bit, super lengthy, super athletic. I've seen him compared to Micah Parsons. Maybe that's going overboard. Micah Parsons might be the best defensive player in the NFL. So, but just his style, I guess, the fact that they can move him all over the place, inside, outside. Uh, drop him in coverage, do whatever the hell they want. Uh, he's versatile. I know he played some time in Alabama before he ended up in Arkansas, which is where he was uh, when the Broncos drafted him. But what do you think about this player?
1: Yeah, like you said, he was versatile. He was even more versatile in high school, he was a quarterback. And then he was a running back and a receiver. And at the same, like he was playing both ways in high school. He was also playing linebacker I like that. in high school. So like he did everything in high school and he was like a five-star recruit going to Alabama. But like Alabama is so stacked. You can be a very good player and not have a key role. Like, we, I see it all the time or we see it all the time of like if Alabama's third string running back comes into the NFL, I'm like, oh, he was Alabama's third string guy. And then he turns out to be a really good running back in the NFL. And it's just because they're so deep. So he he struggled to get on the field at Alabama. And like you said, they had him on the inside. They had him on the outside. And then ahead of last season, he transferred to Arkansas and he just had a huge breakout season. Uh, I think he was unanimous uh, first-team All-American, or maybe not first-team, but he was unanimous All-American. And, it, you know, what was really cool was Arkansas played him as an inside linebacker. I don't think they really put him out to the edge. And even playing as an inside linebacker, he had nine and a half sacks last year. And to me, you know, I love having an inside linebacker. It's like he's not going to be blitzing every play, obviously. He's not an edge rusher. Like, he's not Von Miller. But you have an inside linebacker that when you dial up a blitz for him, you know that he has the ability to get to the QB. Like, he's a a really good – inside pass trigger. and he can flex out to the edge too so you know if an outside linebacker does get hurt he can provide depth at outside linebacker like he could play out there but they said they view him primarily as an inside guy and an inside guy who can cover like you said who can play the run and then in passing situations if you want to blitz him and him like be generating that's so exciting to me because I cannot think of the last time the Broncos had a really good inside linebacker who was really good at rushing and getting home to the quarterback like uh, someone said to me on twitter and i was like yeah that was who i thought of too was al wilson and like al wilson he, like by no means was he a rusher. sure like he was an inside linebackers inside linebacker he was a big guy stuffed the run he he was just like uh he plugged the holes on defense and and so, but they rushed him every now and then and he was pretty decent but like he never would have had like nine and a half sacks in a season and granted that was in college but I, I think Sanders is a guy that's – he's going to be very fun to watch. And him – they they have Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton just re-signed like a three-year deal. So I don't think he's going to be a day-one starter either. Like Mims – I don't think Mims will necessarily start on offense. But Sanders, I think, will play on special teams as a rookie. And I think he's going to get rotational snaps both at inside linebacker and outside linebacker. Like I think one thing that's really nice about him is – he can kind of provide cover at multiple spots on defense and they can kind of sub him in, you know, give him some reps as a rookie. And also like Josie Joel and Alex Singleton, they both spent time injured last year. So it's always nice to have more depth. And Josie Joel, I think he only has one year left on his contract anyway. So this is another one where I think they're kind of looking ahead like, yeah, he, he can and will make contributions this year. But long term, I think it, he projects as a future starter for them, and I think an exciting one.
0: Yeah, I like what I've read on that player, so uh, I'm in on him as well. Uh, I, I like the versatility. I like that he could play inside or outside um, and provide some depth there, John. So I like that pick as well. And I think they're they're picking the third round this corner, which you know now we're get, we're getting into a, an actual position of need. This is one we talked about right, uh, you know, Damari Mathis. We were looking to get some competition maybe there opposite Pat Sertan this um this kid from Iowa maybe he's the guy he's fast as hell he ran a four four five um so that's like certain like speed if you believe in the combine right uh and they did have to pay up for him though they trade up to get Riley Moss in the third round so what do you think about this move John this is one where uh, you know maybe people could say did they pay too much did they overpay to come up and get this kid but you know they needed a corner they waited on it so, they identified a guy and went and got him. Can't say I watched a ton of Iowa football this year, if I'm being honest, but what do you know about this kid?
1: Yeah, like you said, they gave a fourth round pick this year and a third round pick next year. I think that's what people are freaking out about because they gave up not just you know a fourth this year, which was just a little bit later than the third round pick they acquired, but that, to also give up a third next year, I think people kind of freaked out about that. But if they gave like a fourth round pick next year... I don't think people would be quite as upset. And I think you got to realize like teams view like next year's draft picks are always worth less than this year's draft pick. So like a third round pick next year is kind of valued as like a fourth round pick this year. So the the compensation, I don't think it's quite as big of a deal as some fans have made it out to be. And the thing is, if he pans out, no one's going to care. And for one thing, the Broncos had two third-round picks next year. So they're still going to be able to pick in the third round. And I think that's part of the reason they were comfortable with giving up a third-round pick as well. They still have a third-round pick. Uh, still in addition to the one they gave up. And like you said, he ran a 445 40 yard dash Pat Sertan at his pro day was four, four, six. And I can tell you the combine number is a lot more official than the pro day number. So like on paper, he's just as fast, if not faster than Pat Sertan. And, you know, he's just, they love his makeup right? and like the intangibles of him, the speed of him, obviously. So I'm excited about him. And like you, you mentioned Mathis. I don't know if he's going to start day one over Mathis, you know, being a rookie and with Mathis having like almost a whole year of starting under his belt, I kind of doubt he will start day one, but once again, it's just, you're building real quality depth. And like, he is the kind of guy that you definitely think in the future can emerge as a starting corner. And like, maybe like Quan Williams is getting older. And I think this is the last year of his contract. Quan Williams right now is playing in the slot. If, If he gets older and they don't resign him as a free agent next year, I would not be shocked at all if they move Mathis to like being their slot corner and then Moss could be the other outside guy across from Pat Sertan and then boom, there's your top three cornerbacks. So even if he's not like starting across from Sertan week one, I like the pick and I think long-term he's a great addition to their secondary.
0: Yeah, they stacked up on defense a little bit on this portion of the draft, right? Linebacker, corner. Then on day three, they drafted safety J.L. Skinner, uh, played at Boise State. I don't think he was at the combine. Maybe that did him some favors, John. This player, right? Because sometimes you see kids just destroy their their draft stock uh, by having a bad combine. And I know I don't think Skinner was at the combine, but he's he had some good film, right? <laughs> I think he has a good film from what I've read. Uh, he's just kind of a freak of nature athletically. He just He can cover, he runs around, he hits people. Uh, A lot of people are are calling this a potential steal, a, a great pick at this portion of the draft. I think you told me that he was supposed to be picked a lot earlier than this, right? Like third, fourth round range.
1: Yeah. Uh, NFL.com's own projection had him as a third or fourth round pick. And I think he tore his pec. I, I don't want to say that wrong, but I think he had a pec injury and I think that's why he set out the combine. And I don't know if because teams didn't see him work out, if that's why he didn't go in the third or fourth, but like apparently multiple yeah. like draft pundits had him uh, as a guy in that range. So to get someone like that in the sixth round to me is huge. And and he's like a hard hitting safety. Honestly, I don't want to get carried away, but to me, he kind of seems like the mold of a Kareem Jackson, like not necessarily this year, but down the road, I could definitely see him being like the new Kareem Jackson for the Broncos. Like he definitely projects as a future starter. And this season, like, again, week one, I don't think he's starting on defense. I think he's going to be a a key special teams guy, but I think right now, Justin Simmons and Caden Stearns are definitely the two favorites to start at safety. But Stearns, he's kind of to me more of like the free safety mold he's kind of like the Justin Simmons understudy and like like I don't want to cause a huge thing saying that they're going to move on from Justin Simmons but like in a year or two Justin Simmons is going to be 30 years old he's going to be getting to the back end of his contract like if one day they move on from Justin Simmons and if Caden Stearns you know stays healthy this year and has his injury woes behind him like I could see one day Caden Stearns being the free safety and Skinner being the strong safety, but you know, that, that would just be like in a hypothetical where Simmons was, you know, injured or, or, you know, maybe towards the end of his contract or something. But this year I think he's probably going to be just a backup safety who it's, it might be hard for him to get on the field just because their secondary has a lot of depth, but I think on special teams, he's going to contribute. And down the road, I think he's going to be competing, you know, I think strong safety is definitely where I would view him, especially because he's he's not starting over Justin Simmons. And I think Caden Stearns, if Simmons is not available, I think Stearns is kind of that guy. And then Skinner, I think, could be, you know, pushing for the strong safety spot. So uh, he's an exciting guy, a hard hitting guy who seems like he was a very good value. And you know, late in the draft like this, I love when they can find guys, you know, high upside person that seems like they fell farther than they should. You know, I think that's always really nice to get at the back end.
0: Yep, I agree. Skinner might be that guy, so it'll be interesting to see how he looks. I'm, ex- I'm excited to hear about him maybe in rookie minicamps here coming up. Uh, he's an intriguing player for sure. Could be a steal. Uh, and then in round seven, to round out the, cl- the class, John, Alex Forsyth, uh, a center from Oregon. So there's our center. You know, I thought, I thought they might address this need a little bit earlier in the draft. I'm glad they got one. Uh, You know, we talked about Lloyd Cushenberry quite a bit uh, in our last podcast. And, you know, it's interesting when they moved up for Marvin Mims at 63. I think uh, one of the top centers in this class, the John Michael Schmitz kid, went to the Giants. What was it? Four or five picks before that? It was something maybe a little bit more than that. Maybe six, seven picks before that uh, Schmitz went. So could the Broncos have made a move for one of the top centers in this draft? They probably could have. They decided not to. They went you know they they kind of went the long the slow play right they're gonna you know draft this kid, probably put him behind uh Cushenberry and see what happens. but uh tell me something about Forsyth is he uh, a flyer in round seven do you do you see something more for him? what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think he's all just like Skinner I think he's someone that is huge upside that some draft pundits had graded a lot higher that for whatever reason fell a little while. so I think he's a very good value in the seventh round I know. I, I'm sorry, I apologize to him for not thinking of his name, but one of the big draft pundits said he had a fifth round grade on him. So to get, you know, there's plenty of starting centers in the NFL and starting guards who are drafted in the fifth round. I mean, I mean, there's guys who draft in the seventh round, undrafted guys, like anybody can emerge as a starter in the NFL. But I think he he's someone that looks like a much higher prospect than what a seventh round pick you would expect uh, typically expect to get to them. So, you know, everything, you know, all these offensive linemen uh, like experts that I like see on Twitter talk about how tough he is. And, you know, he has like three years of starting experience as a center at Oregon. And when he got to Oregon, he was actually like a offensive tackle, offensive guard, like a flex guy. So he's played literally every position on the offensive line. And that's super, super helpful. Like you said, Lloyd Cushionberry is probably going to start week one, but forthsyth he really helps his stock because he's a he's a backup center, but he's also backup guard. So maybe if Cushionberry's starting at center and a guard gets hurt, maybe he can fill in at guard. Or if Cushionberry goes down, maybe he can fill in at center. So I think he's another guy just like Skinner long term. I think he he truly, not just being a homer, I think he has the potential to potentially win a starting job. Like not necessarily this year, but it seems like he has very nice upside. And again, like that's what you want in the back end of the draft. Nice upside guys that, you know, maybe should have gone a little bit uh, earlier.
0: Yeah. So that's the five player class. Uh, not, and I don't have a ton to bitch about with this class. It seems pretty good, John. Uh, you know, maybe when you have nine, 10 picks, you, you could make a little bit more crazy picks that people can uh, judge a little harder. You know what I mean? Maybe that thing, like, you know, for me as a Patriots fan, uh, Bill Belichick trading up for the fourth round for a kicker, you know, and then picking like and then picking uh, guards with three in, three out of his four picks. It's like three out of his four picks in one round. It's like, Bill, what the hell are you doing? Uh, so, you know, it's easy to be critical there. But with this Broncos draft, I don't I don't have a ton for you. Sorry, Broncos fans. <laughs> but uh, what do you think, John? Did you give a grade for this on Broncos wire, this overall draft? Like, what would you grade them?
1: I, I think I would be B plus. Uh, I mean, instant draft grades. we like we got to come back down the road to see how it is but i I say b plus because i think they all have really nice projections of what they're going to do in the future and right now i think most of them can contribute just not have huge roles so to me like in the present pretty decent depth additions long term looks like it could be really good so to me it's like a b plus
0: okay i think that's fair I, i was that's right around where my head was at too so We'll see if it becomes an A down the road, right? That kind of thing. Uh, so another another interesting thing that happened, uh, you don't see this all the time, day three of the draft, the Broncos work out a trade with the Saints, Sean Payton's old club, uh, to pick up Adam Troutman. He's a tight end uh, for the Saints. He, he, actually, he was a guy coming out of college. Adam Troutman was highly touted. I took the cheese, John. I drafted him in my dynasty league. Adam Troutman. I thought he was going to be great. Uh, did not turn out that way. He is He's had a rough go in his NFL career. Uh, so, yeah. So, actually, you you put this in our show notes. Peyton drafted him in the third round in 2020. Uh, and now he is a Denver Bronco uh, after they make a, a trade on day three of the draft. So, this is interesting because Troutman, it seems like he's not, like, a good enough player where it got national attention. But it sounds like he's, he's been, like fighting behind the scenes with the Saints or demanding a trade John right but usually we hear about that but that wasn't I was talking to John Sigler of Saintswire and this wasn't even known until the trade happened so uh it's an interesting situation Tropman wanted out didn't think he was being utilized correctly with the Saints he's been very um you know he's been very candid about that telling whoever will listen <laughs> that they weren't using him properly and he's excited to go uh rejoin Sean Payton with Denver but it is a little funny to me because, you know, okay, Adam, like Sean Payton did draft you. It was his offense over there. You're playing and now you're going to rejoin his offense and play behind Greg Dulcich. I don't, I don't know if you're going to be happier here, but whatever. Uh, but Adam Troutman, give me, give me a couple seconds on him.
1: Yeah, the... In 2021, uh, well, 2020 and 2021, he was under Sean Payton. And then last year, obviously, Sean Payton sat out the year. So last year, his receiving, you know, like his targets went down. They used him with a lot more as a blocker last year. And I think that is where he got frustrated. And apparently he asked for a trade and the Saints eventually gave it to him. It, it is kind of funny. Like you said, he ends up with Sean Payton. But I, I really think he was mostly frustrated with last season he was used more of a blocker than he was under Peyton. But Peyton did like the first thing Peyton talked about, like that was that he was a good blocker. But Peyton said a lot of times when guys coming out of the draft as a tight end, you're either good as a blocker or you're good at receiver. He specifically said that when Troutman came out, he was good at both. And and so Peyton talked him up, really liked him. And Peyton said they were comparing him to the third round tight end prospects they had on their board this year. So Peyton obviously still thinks very highly of him and, you know, it's not like he was using him like he was Jimmy Graham or something, but he was giving him more targets than he got last year with the Saints when Peyton wasn't there. So I, I think Troutman will be happier in Denver. But like you said, he's he's going to be the number two guy. He's going to be behind Greg Dulcich. He's going to be the primary receiving tight end. So Troutman's still going to have to do a lot of blocking, but he he will get receiving opportunities. And it's going to be interesting to see, does he end up with more targets than he had last year in New Orleans? Because we know Sean Payton is going to want to run the ball. You know, he brought in a fullback. He signed a running back. He signed two offensive linemen. Like we can just, we can tell they're gearing up to run the ball. They signed a tight end specifically because he's so good at blocking. So he he is going to be asked to block. And hopefully he'll be more happy in Denver than he was in New Orleans though.
0: I think you'll be happy just being with an offensive-minded head coach again. You know, New Orleans went with Dennis Allen. He was their defensive coordinator. And defensive coordinators love to make you block. They want to run the football, let their defense win the game, John. That's just how it works. That's how it works in the NFL over and over again. These defensive uh, head coaches, defensive-minded head coaches, they're never really the guys that run the the high-flying attack on offense. Usually they're very conservative, not taking a lot of chances. Nick Fangio. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm sure it'll work out a little bit better for uh, for Adam Tropman. We hope. He's now a Bronco. Uh, one position that was a little bit of a surprise now, John, as we kind of wrap this up a little bit, talk outside the draft class, you thought they were going to go running back. You would have gone running back, right? You mocked uh, a running back to the Broncos in your mock draft that we talked about on the pod. Uh, now, Latavius Murray, we thought was kind of a shoe in to... You know, maybe they could just fall back on him, but now he's he's with the Bills. Uh, signed with the Bills and said, "I want to go win a Super Bowl." So, okay, Latavius, good luck. You, you might have a better Do chance that in with Buffalo. Von Miller. Exactly, you might have a better chance in Buffalo. Good good decision. Uh, but there are some backs still available, right? Ezekiel Elliott is still available. Leonard Fournette, uh, Kareem Hunt, who's a pretty good football player. I don't know if he's a great person, but he's a pretty good football player. Kareem Hunt, I like him as a player. Philip Lindsay, is he? Is he played in another league? Is it what is it XFL or something? He was in the
1: XFL, but yeah. they got knocked out of the playoffs. So okay, so now he he's would. Open now.
0: So that's why you're. That's why you put him in our show notes, Philip Philip Lindsay. You want to come back? Well, I Denver. put
1: him in the show notes because he's Philip Lindsay, right? Exactly. <laughs> Denver loves Philip Lindsay.
0: Philip, yeah, or Endeavor also loves bringing people back, John. Right? That's that's yeah. something we learned, right? Like, hey, Shelby Harris, come on back. You know, you're you're a free agent. Seattle doesn't want you. We'll take you back. We don't care if we traded you. Come on back. So uh, yeah, so. What do you think? Are you would you be down for specifically a player like Zeke or Fournette? Like, would you be in for one of those kind of guys?
1: Well, you mentioned Latavius Murray, like I thought he was the perfect fallback option, and, and then he went to the Bills. So I don't know if they were even really trying to bring him back. I kind of doubt it. Unless, you know, maybe like you said, chasing the Super Bowl, Murray thought he could really, you know, have a chance to really chase a title this season that maybe once not as realistic in Denver. But Someone like Ezekiel Elliott at this point in his career, like he's not going to get a huge contract, but he's still going to be a little pricey. And the Broncos, they just don't have the cap space for that. Like Fournette, I'm sure, would be a lot cheaper. Cream Hunt, I, you know, actually, maybe Cream Hunt wouldn't be cheaper than Elliott, but Cream Hunt, like you said, like great football player. You know, do you want, you know, a person that has his history on your roster? I don't know if they would really do that. I kind of wouldn't want them to do that. And Leonard Fournette, like, He's had some good moments in the NFL, but he's also getting to the point where, like, when you start, when teams start to really not value running backs anymore, he's getting older. And Philip Lindsay, like we've talked about, Philip Lindsay, like love him, but he does some play special teams. He's he's not a great blocker, and, and he's not a receiving back, so he's pretty one dimensional. And they can't have a third string running back be one dimensional. Like they gotta have a third string running back that will play special teams, hopefully be pretty decent pass blocking. Hopefully be be a pretty good receiver out of the back. so uh, honestly, like I wouldn't be surprised if they sign some veteran free agent running back, maybe not one of those big name guys that we just mentioned, but they, they could bring in someone but uh, right now I honestly think that Tony Jones like I think his stock is just skyrocketing because he was with the Saints for a couple years I think two years ago he started two games for them just because they had like an injury crisis at running back but he's been in Sean Payton's offense Sean Payton knows him obviously he likes him he brought him with him to Denver and like in theory a third string running back is not going to have a big role on your team but but all off season, I've been saying, like, I think we should count on Javante Williams not being available for the first four weeks of the season. I, it doesn't mean that's guaranteed, but I think it's better to plan for him to not be there. And if he is, great, than to hope that he is. And then if he's not, not be ready for him to not be there. You know what I mean? So, like, in week one, I'm saying Samaj Peron is our starting running back. So whoever is your third string running back is really going to start the season as your second string running back. Assuming again, like I'm assuming Williams is not going to be healthy week one. If he is fantastic, I just think we can't plan on that. So whoever is third on the depth chart, I think early in the year can be leaned on as your number two running back. And as of this moment of the guys that are on the roster, I think that's Tony Jones. So that's just something to keep an eye on. Like, I think it would be smart to add another vet, just to have another body, another person that has experience in the NFL. But again, like they don't have a ton of cap space, so I don't know if they can really get one of those splashier name running backs that are available.
0: Yeah, I think a player like Kareem Hunt, he probably he's kind of he would he would have the kind of role that P Ryan's going to have, right? Like I don't know, he becomes redundant when Javante Williams come back. Kareem Hunt is a good football player. You're not going to leave him on the sideline as your third guy. That's not the Kareem Hunt type, right? You're going to pay him to be your 1A, 1B type like Cleveland used him. So he doesn't make much sense. Zeke Fournette, like Fournette, Fournette was like pouting all year last year because he was playing behind Rashad White. You know what I mean? Like he was just like a big baby about it. I love Zeke. You know, he's I've always liked him as a player, but his best days are well behind him. He kind of fell apart at the end of the year for the Cowboys uh, as they faded away as usual last season. So yeah, I, I think, you know, Philip Lindsay, if you want to bring him in, that would be kind of fun. That'd be a fun storyline. I'd be in on that. But yeah, I mean, I think Tony Jones will be fine, right? Uh, he he wouldn't be here if he sucks. Sean Payton knows him. He he spent three years. Uh, what was it three? It was at least three years with the Saints. I think he played for Seattle too, one year at least. But uh,
1: yeah, yeah, I think it was two years in New Orleans, then split okay. a season with the okay. Saints and the Seahawks. Yeah. Sorry to cut you. Off. No, no,
0: that makes sense. Thanks for correcting me there. Uh, so I mean, if Tony Jones sucked. Sean Payton wouldn't bring him in as <laughs> his third running back. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, John. I, I like that commentary. I don't think I would be rooting for them to sign a, a player like Ezekiel Elliott you know, or Kareem Hunt. I just don't think it really makes sense with the way the roster is constructed, with the way uh, Javante Williams is coming back. And for what you're going to have to pay these guys, you know, some of these guys are kind of on the, on the wrong side of it uh, in terms of yeah. their career. You know what I mean? So um, I'm out on that as well. Another thing that's interesting here is we wrap this thing up, is we're kind of entering that next phase, I guess, of free agency where the comp pick formula is no longer in play. So a lot of times you start to see some of your own unsigned free agents, guys like uh, you know Kareem Jackson, for example, John, getting signed back uh, since they're still on the market post-draft. So are there any free agents of note that you think are in play for the Broncos now that they try to maybe patch some things up or, or get things in order before training camp?
1: Yeah, George Payton was asked specifically about Kareem Jackson after the draft, and he said they're talking to him and his agent, and, and those conversations are ongoing. So even after they drafted a safety, they're still apparently open to Jackson coming back. And I, I have a feeling Kareem Jackson eventually will come back because I think the only reason he wouldn't was if he could get, you know, a greater opportunity and maybe some more money elsewhere, and there's nobody lining up, you know, to sign an agent Kareem Jackson. Like, I love him. A very good player, great guy, and a great team captain for the Broncos. But, you know, at this point of his career, he's like a backup safety and a very good locker room guy. And he's spent the last, you know, couple years in Denver, so he he knows what he's getting with the Broncos. You know, he has a lot of relationships on that defense. He lives in Denver, so I think it would make sense for him to come back. I bet, you know, at some point uh, before training camp, they will bring him back and I bet it's probably going to be near the veteran minimum. And I think that's the reason he hasn't signed yet, just because, you know, teams are not offering him a lot of money. And so just holding out longer and longer, like if, if a team has a safety get hurt, maybe someone would offer him a little bit more. So I don't know how long he's going to want to wait it out. And then another guy, Cam Fleming, he was supposed to be a backup in Denver, and because of injuries and because of poor play, he ended up being you know, basically a full-season starter. And now they have Mike McGlinchey, Garrett Bowles, is hopefully going to be healthy again this year. So he wouldn't need to be a starter. But to have someone with plenty of starting experience to be a top backup swing tackle, because he can play on the right and he can play on the left, I would really like that. So I, I'd like to see them bring back Cam Fleming. I don't know if they're interested in that. But like as of now, I'm not super comfortable – with their backup offensive tackle guys like it it's mostly a bunch of young guys and i would like to have like a veteran with some starting experience back there so cam fleming in my mind would be perfect and then like you said shelby harris they traded him to the seahawks last year he had a decent season with the seahawks this last season and then he became a free agent and they didn't resign him i think pete carroll said either right before the draft or right after the draft that they would like to bring him back but that hasn't happened yet so like if 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 the Seahawks aren't paying him a lot and the Broncos come to him with a similar offer, like, I don't know, maybe he would be willing to come back. Cause I, I believe his wife and daughters still live in the Denver area. And you know, he's a super fan favorite in Denver. So I know it was a little rough the way he was traded. Like he found out on his phone before they were able to tell him in person. Like I think Adam Shafter, whoever broke the news. So I don't know how upset he is about how like that went down, but if he can get past that and is willing to come back, I would love to bring him back. Cause they did, they did not draft a defensive lineman. And like I've said before on the podcast, like Deshaun Williams they have to replace his 15 starts from last year. Williams went to the Panthers in free agency. And to me, there's nobody on the roster that I'm like, yes, like he is more like Sharpie. Ham, and he's the defensive end across from Zach Allen. Like there's nobody like that. And if they re-signed Shelby Harris right away, I'd say, okay, <laughs> like on this paper Broncos wire depth chart, Shelby Harris is back to being a starting defensive end in Denver. And like, he is getting a little older too. So, they would be rotating snaps on the defensive line. Like they always rotate the snaps anyway, but I would love to have a veteran defensive lineman. I want a backup swing tackle. And I think bringing back cream Jackson would be great. So those are three guys in my mind, you know, in this later stages of free agency that you mentioned that I would be keeping an eye on.
0: Yeah. If George Payton can get Shelby Harris back, he can go look guys. Russell Wilson trade wasn't that bad after all. Hey, you got Shelby <laughs> yeah. Harris back. This is great. This yeah, is only working trade two players. Yeah, this is working out great for us. So uh, good stuff out of you as always, John. I thought, you know, you did a great job breaking all this down. Sorry, I didn't help as much. You did a great job. Uh, what are you looking forward to now? Are you looking forward to like rookie minicamps? Are you looking forward to schedule day? I'm always a fan of schedule yeah. day. I think that's always a fun, a fun time. But what's what's on your radar now?
1: Yeah, we're still tracking the, the undrafted guys. I think they might be done making their signings. But the, just today, as we we're recording, like they've still been inviting guys to come try out at the rookie minicamp. So I think there's still some rookie minicamp tryout invites to be tracking down in these coming days. I, I believe that is not this weekend, but the following weekend is when they're going to have their rookie minicamp. And that will be the players they drafted. It will be the undrafted guys that they sign it'll be like at least a dozen rookies that they're inviting to try out. And then they're also going to invite some veterans to come try out. So it's going to be a huge, huge camp. I'm very interested to see what uh, veteran names end up being invited to try out. So that that's like the next big thing on the calendar for the Broncos. And like you mentioned, the NFL schedule is expected to come out on May 11th. So that's always fun. You know, After the schedule comes out, we can hop on here and Talk about uh what what intriguing games the Broncos are gonna have coming up on their schedule this fall. And then later this month and and at the end of May, they have OTA starting up. So there this month it's it's not gonna jump right into the boring dead time. That won't be more until like June. There's still stuff on the calendar coming up for the Broncos this month. So we, we'll still have more to talk about coming up here.
0: Absolutely. And we'll be we'll be here as uh, as stuff goes down. I think schedule day definitely counts, John. I love talking about the schedule, so we'll have, we'll definitely have to do that. And folks should be looking out for that podcast, maybe in a couple weeks here. Uh, but for John, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us on the show this week. Make sure you're checking out Draft uh, Draft Wire, yes, but also Broncos Wire. <laughs> uh, just all the draft coverage is amazing that John and your crew uh, did. It's just uh, tremendous stuff. I hope people are checking it out. It's a great place to get everything you need when it comes to the Denver Broncos. Uh, John and I will be back soon. We'll talk to you then.